You are listening to the Sower's Almanac, the church planting podcast of Ransom City Church. For more media content, visit ransomcitychurch.org. Hey guys, welcome back to the Sower's Almanac. I'm Seth. Uh, I've got an episode for you today that, that I'm excited to talk about. Um, it really is all hinged on an article that I, I read uh, a couple weeks ago that I wanted to share with you guys. About a month ago, it looks like it came out. Um, but I don't want to share it with you guys, because it was really helpful for me. Um, and I really resonated with it, and so I, I'm, I'm going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it, and kind of give you my thoughts on it. Um, this was an article written by Ed Stetzer, uh, who, you know, a lot of you know, a uh, missiologist, uh, has had a lot of experience planting churches, being a part of church plants has a passion for church planting, wrote uh, Planting Missional Churches, which is uh, kind of one of the handbooks on church planting uh, as far as books are concerned. Um, Stutzer's a a great dude, and uh, he's got a lot of really good insight uh, in this article we're going to be talking about. Uh, The article is called uh, Church Planting Shifts, Part 4, Supporting uh, Supporting Planters. And uh, apparently this is a, a series he's been doing um, I've, I've checked out some of the other posts just a little bit, but full disclosure, I haven't really read the other, other ones in full, like I have this one, uh, now multiple times. Um, this was on, uh, ChristianityToday.com, uh, it's on Ed Stetzer's kind of blog section, uh, that he calls The Exchange. Um, I can put a link on our Twitter and, and probably in the description, I'll put a link if you want to read the article for yourself, but I'm actually going to read it. Uh, so I wanted to make sure I give due credit. This is definitely not my words. It's not my work. This is uh, Ed Stetzer's article, but it's really important and really helpful. Um, so I wanted to, to call attention to it and then kind of have more of a discussion on what he brings up here. So without further ado, I'll read it. Here's here's what he says. Um, Ed writes, As I've dis- discussed in this series on church planting shifts, we must acknowledge that Christianity in the West will be competing more with a secular worldview than it has in the past when Christendom reigned. The question among missiologists and pastors today arises around the issues of timing. When will this reality exert significant pressure on the present church-planting approach, thus requiring immediate change to the predominant approach reaching nominal Christians? So if you're tracking with this so far, he's getting at... Nominal Christianity uh, in the West, in America in particular, which, you know, we're, we're talking about planting in uh, America, I think it's, it, it seems to be predominantly the context he's talking about. Uh, nominal Christianity is dying um, and, and has been for a while. Now, Christianity uh, itself, I don't think is necessarily dying. I mean, there may be some decline there. Um, I wouldn't hit the panic button on that. I would agree with guys like John Piper who would say, no, it's nominal Christianity that's dying. Meaning it's people, these people that call themselves Christians, uh, you're having less and less of that, but does that necessarily mean there are less Christians? I would argue, I don't know. You know, I don't know that it does, uh, maybe, maybe some, uh, but not, you know, the overwhelming decline that we're seeing, I think is, is nominal. Um, so yeah, there may be some of somewhat of a dip, but I think it is a lot nominal Christianity that we're seeing go away. And in that, it's not that bad of a thing, really. Uh, I think you're seeing a separating of chaff from wheat. You're seeing who 
who really are Christians at all. Um, because, like, again, as Reformed theologians, we should know um, those who, quote-unquote, fall away never were. Uh, right? Those who went out from us were not of us. And so because of that, I, I think we are seeing, uh, in a lot of cases, who really are Christians and who really never were uh, with a lot of that nominal Christianity decline. So anyway, he's asking, with that going on in the West and in America in particular, how does that impact uh, how we plant churches? And when is that impact going to be felt? That's kind of the question he, he starts with. And I would argue now uh, to answer his question. I, I think we're, we're already seeing that shift. And he hits at this later in the article, but he points out major cities are already kind of there uh, or at least heading there a lot quicker. They're like on the, the cusp of a lot of these things, these changes to, to the church planting model being a necessity. Uh, because the culture is changing faster in the bigger cities, more more so away from nominal Christianity and more open uh, secularism and, you know, you know, away from nominal Christianity. Um, now, that would include where we are uh, right now. Um, as you guys know, we planted in Evanston, which is just north of Chicago. So this is, there's a reason I'm calling attention to this article. This I resonate with. So that, anyway, that's his first initial question. We'll keep going, and I'll give you more thoughts of mine on the way. So back to Ed. This is what he says. Before I look at some possible implications this evident shift may have for the support structures of most church planting initiatives, with the rising tide of secularism and the ultimate decline of Christian nominalism, we may need to rethink our denominational traditional church planting support mechanisms. Ed, hats off to you, man, for being diplomatic. Uh, I think you said that in a very charitable way, but yeah, we do need to rethink our denominational and traditional church planting support mechanisms. He goes on to say, there's no doubt that nominalism has provided us with a ready base to plant and launch churches. We could plant faster with a Christian base and nominal Christians to reach. Oh boy, oh boy, amen, I would say to that. That's, I think, a lot of what church planting has been over, dare I say, the last several decades. Um, He goes on to say, but that is changing. This, in turn, has led to a fiscal reality that the way we fund church planting must line up with the new and emerging philosophies of church planting. As we look to the future, we're going to find it more challenging to fund church plants the traditional way, primarily because... Uh, the sending context will be vastly dissimilar to our current context. That's already true in places like Boston or Madison, Wisconsin, but it is becoming more evident in Columbus as well. You named some major cities. I would add to that list Chicago. Um, and and because of that, then Chicago land has been affected as well, which would include Evanston. We're just north of Chicago and in a lot of ways culturally very linked with Chicago and kind of the decline of nominal Christianity as we've talked about many times uh, on this podcast, we've talked about how liberal our city is and how progressive, quote-unquote, our city is, which is ironically regressive, but they don't see it that way. Um, so we're caught up in this. I, I think we're in a context that's feeling this like some of these other major cities that are named because we're literally right on top of another major city that this applies to, which would be Chicago. Um, we're the first thing north of Chicago we share a border with Chicago. We share a street, Howard Street. One side of the street is Evanston, one side of the street is Chicago. So uh, we're very much linked uh, culturally in a lot of ways. Now there's differences. I'm not saying it's exactly the same. Um, Evanston is its own thing. But as far as the decline of nominal Christianity, 
Uh, yeah, we we see that in our our city as well. So I would piggyback off of what Stetzer's saying and probably use some stronger language even of like, I don't think May is accurate. I, I think we're already there in a lot, of, a lot of major cities where the planting model is inadequate and obsolete and the supporting model is certainly inadequate and obsolete. I, I just, I think that's where we are. I think we are there already in a lot of major cities where it's like, we got to start thinking through this differently um, because we're no longer in the area of nominal Christianity. Um, and uh, I, I've talked to other planters that would say the exact same thing. So actually fellow church planter Dave Andreessen, who's a planter in Chicago, uh, was the one I saw post this article. Some of you guys may know Dave. Um, I will probably have him on the podcast sometime soon. He's got a lot of good insight into this stuff. But he was he was the guy that actually shared the article originally that got me to see it and read it and, and get excited about this. And he said exactly that. He said, being in Chicago, I would say we're already there. Uh, where you know, the planting model and supporting model is in a lot of ways obsolete. Sorry about that, guys. There was uh, two dogs outside that were very upset with each other. <laughs> so if you could hear that in the background... That's what was going on, um, and it also made me a little uh, scatterbrained when I was talking through my last two points, because I was kind of watching that go down, so I apologize for that, um, but anyway, we're back, and it's uh, a little quieter now, but if you're wondering what that was, that's what it was, so if you heard people yelling, that was not me, that was people outside, uh, but anyway, you know, as I said, uh, I think this is hitting the larger cities quicker, um, as uh, I would say Stetzer seems to be pointing out. He goes on to say, In order for churches to be planted in a more secular society, we need different skills as church planters and we need to take more time to establish credible and significant roots in a secular community that may not be antagonistic to the Christian faith, yet question its overarching importance to life. Planting churches in secular contexts is different from planting churches in nominal Christian contexts. Yes, it is. Amen. Uh, Even though the difference may seem obvious to most people, the implications are more complex as it relates to the emotions of current support, infrastructure, and denominational marketing endeavors. It would not make sense from a financial perspective to say, well then, we'll fund you for 10 years unless we change the church planting model to a missionary model. It is unrealistic to sustain the support for 10 years around planting a new church among those who support church plants today and see almost instant results. This is, he's exactly right. This is a lot of the breakdown here, I think, of why we, I think, our our models of, in particular, how we financially support church planters and church plants uh, is, like, growing more obsolete by the day and yet we're not seeing a lot of change to it, uh, is because we've just gotten used to the timeline uh, that had existed for a while. Uh, because we were planting in a uh, you know, more nominal Christian culture for the last several decades, I think people had these timelines of, well, three to five years, somewhere in that window, you should be self-supporting by then, so we'll support you for three to five years. Um because the results were a lot quicker, but I do agree with Stetzer, I think, uh, which it seems to be what he's getting at, I think that's changing. Um, so I think we got to change timelines accordingly, recognizing, like, if you're not planting in a nominal context, it's going to take a lot longer, uh, because you're going to be a lot smaller for a lot longer. You're not going to have this, 
kind of gaggle of people who would call themselves Christians that are kind of warm to church already, you're kind of fighting an uphill battle. There's less and less of those people by the day. And so it just by virtue of that, it's going to take longer to develop enough of a base as a church that you can actually pay the bills. It's going to, it's just math. That's uh, going to take longer. I think he's dead on there. Um, but a lot of people don't see how obsolete the model is because that's just not what they're used to. They're used to this, you know, you plant and then three to five years, uh, churches are self-supporting. And uh, I think those days are uh, fast going away is what I would say. And, and in probably most major cities and like nearby context to a lot of more urban areas uh, are, are already obsolete or very quickly becoming obsolete, that, that timeline. So anyway, he goes on to say, if, however, we change the church planning model to a missionary model, then we will fund people as missionaries for multiple years as they plant churches with appropriate means and metrics, thus moving away from the traditional church planting model. I like where his head's at. That's why he's talking about this missionary model idea. That is how we fund missionaries. Um, when people talk about partnering with missionaries, it's usually a much longer timetable. Uh, and a lot of times you hear things like, hey, we'll support you for 10 years, like the example that Stetzer gave. That's how we think about supporting missionaries overseas. That needs to be how we start thinking about church planting here. Uh, I mean, I really think that's where we need to head. I agree with Stetzer. Um, goes on to say, uh, secular contexts are more complex and require a completely different set of skills, personnel, support, infrastructure, models, and funding. Traditionally, these funding models depend largely upon your denomination. However, they typically state the funding will be around 75% in year one, 50% in year two, 25% in year three, and by year four, you fully supported, uh, you're fully supported and self-sufficient. This funding model makes a lot of assumptions about culture and planting context. That's Stetzer. Um... He's absolutely right. It does. It, it assumes that uh, you're working in a nominal context. It's it's working with, well, this is our, uh, you know, uh, pool of data. This is how long it's taken us for the last several decades. Well, yeah, but the times have changed, and they're changing more by the day. Um, and so I, this this model is fast becoming a dinosaur. I mean, it really is. I, I just think we got to get out of this. Uh, this way of thinking, you know, for, like I said, it's the larger cities and urban areas and, you know, suburban areas directly connected with them that I think are getting hit quicker. Um, so for some of you guys, you may go, Hey, this, this still works for us. This timeline doesn't seem that nutty for the context that I'm in, uh, as we're thinking about planting more churches and supporting more church planters. Fine. God bless you. But I do think the rest of the country is going to head that way. So even if you are in a part of the country that is still more nominal, it's coming for you. I, I think that's going to go away, uh, especially, you know, last episode is talking about millennials, uh, the generation that I'm a part of. And as I look at my generation, man, it is so much less nominal Christianity. Um, now, I think the good thing in that is uh, people are more honest with themselves that, no, I'm not a Christian. I'm not down with that. Um, and so that it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it can be easier to work with at times than the guy who goes, oh, no, I get it. I've heard that. I know the gospel. And they're kind of inoculated to it. Um, but it changes how we plant churches. And so this idea of what he talks about, this kind of three-year commitment, doesn't make any sense anymore. And... And it might now in the short term, but as we go forward in the future is, is going to make less and less sense. Um, 
And I agree with that. We're we're part of the SBC, as we've told you guys from the beginning. Um, and that was, I mean, we, God bless the SBC, man. They've been super supportive of us as a church plant, um, super generous. And so we had a three-year commitment from, from them where they gave a significant amount of money uh, for to our church plant, uh, specifically toward covering my salary. It's fantastic. Um, and so we're super grateful for that. That got us on our feet. That's a lot to do with how we're where we are right now financially, which is not in bad shape at all. Um, so it's great. Like, I, I love the SBC. I'm, I'm super grateful for that. However, if, if I could give feedback, it would be uh, not only to every denomination, but even my own denomination is a part of this with that kind of three-year commitment idea, because it was. It was, I think, three calendar years of uh, funding uh, before that disappeared, and that I think we've been off that for about a year. Um, yeah, a little over a year, I think. Something like that. Um, and yeah, I think for future people who are planting, we we got to get away from that. I think we got to commit for longer um, even though we benefited from that three-year commitment thing, I think it's got to be longer commitments. Uh, he goes on to say, Yet first, it's fundamental assumption uh, that self-sufficiency can be attained uh, in three to four years is unrealistic. And second, the assumption that pastoral motivation for self-sufficiency is a primary driver toward attaining the goal is faulty. Holy cow, is he dead on. Um, it doesn't matter how bad I want to be self-sustainable. It's just doesn't, I, I don't have a real direct control over that. Um, we can try to be as missional as we can be to get there. Uh, but at the end of the day, I can't make people Christians. That's not my job. Uh, my job is co- to call people to, to repentance and faith in Christ. But ultimately, I'm waiting patiently on the Lord to do that work in them. And so it, there isn't a direct correlation there between how bad I want self-sustainability and whether it happens or not. And I think there is an assumption of that here probably to do with again as he points out this idea of planting (laughs) toward in a nominal context and kind of targeting nominal christians um so maybe in the past there was kind of a like if you want it bad enough you can get there at least some degree of truth in that um i think it's probably always faulty to some degree uh because no we don't have direct control over that even if you want it bad even in a nominal context but uh it might have been easier to get there with, I, I would, yeah, easier to get there with the, the nominal base. And so there probably was a, well, if you're not there in that time frame, maybe you don't want, want a bad enough idea that's still carrying over now, even though the, the nominal Christianity is dying. Um, goes on to say, neither motivation that exists uh, in our current climate will single-handedly conquer church planting in secular spaces. Uh, it goes on to say that the funding, the, the missionary funding model is when you are an employee of a mission agency and you plant churches, but typically you don't stay at that church, but instead plant another church. This is not always easy or realistic, and this is where it gets challenging. So this is what he's advocating is uh, supporting church planners like their missionaries, uh, longer commitments where you just go, yeah, we're in. Uh, we're in for a longer term goal. We're not going to give you this three year, like it'll trickle down. Like that's probably too quick in our current context. Uh, that's less and less nominal by the day. Goes on to say, we don't, we currently don't have the kind of model that I think our new cultural reality needs. No, we don't. However, bivocational ministry is a good option to both exert influence from within secular society and create a context within which the people of God can live out the implications of the gospel and the love of Christ. I agree with him. I agree with him. I think uh, that pro- if I'd guess 
uh, probably with the decline of nominal Christianity is probably also going to be a rise in a need for church planners to be bivocational. And if that's the case, fine. Um, I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't even have a problem with that personally. Um, if we were, you know, back up against it and kind of backed into a corner financially and I needed to take on a second job, you know, as I've told you guys before, I'm not bivocational right now. This is my full-time gig, uh, it is being a pastor and church planner. But if I needed to do it, I'll do it. Uh, I don't have any problem with that. I mean, it'd be definitely inconvenient. It'd be a lot more work. But if need be, sure, I'm willing to do that. I will say, though, my footnote to his point on that uh, is I just would hate for us to to pull that lever when we may not need to. Um, and I will tell you, I, man, for the past several months, have, have had consistent thoughts of, do I need to get a second job? Uh, should I do it now? And, and that's not even, we're not even like bad shape right now, but just like anticipating where are we going to be in a year or two? And I don't really have a good answer to that question. I don't know. Um, we're patiently waiting on the Lord, but kind of seeing where things are at, trying to get out ahead of problems. Cause that's how I'm wired. I think about this all the time. Um, and you know, I, I wouldn't have to, I'll say this. I don't think I would be having that thought as much as I do if more churches had more of a missionary mentality about how they fund, uh, they financially support church planters um, than they currently do. I think if more churches thought this way, which was, we're just in, um, we're not going to put a regimented timeline on it. Um, if, you know, if nothing is happening, then we need to have a conversation. Certainly. If you're throwing money at it and supporting this person and there's just nothing going on, okay. Even with that, don't be hasty with that conversation. Give it time. Because it, it's going to, like I said, it's going to take more time now that, that nominal Christianity is dying. Um, so I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it's an endless commitment and then that gives people wiggle room to not really put in the work to grow and, and all those different things. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but I do think... Assuming that they're working hard and that we are seeing, no, God is behind this and it is working. Uh, it's just taking way longer than we thought. I think churches should shift more to it. Doesn't matter. I'm not going to put a regimented, you know, time constraint on here of like a three to five year commitment. We're just in, man. We support you. We support what God's doing uh, here in this city. We support planting a church in this city, and so we're in for the long haul as long as nothing crazy happens. Uh, where it doesn't work at all, or, you know, something happens with the guy you're supporting, but barring something like that, we're in. I think that would be huge. That would be absolutely huge. Um, and, and I think, if here's my point, if more churches did that, I think less planters uh, will have to be bivocational, even as nom- nominal Christianity is dying off. That's my point. I, I think the local church can be a part of the solution to this problem, because, let's be honest, uh, the bivocational thing is not ideal. Um, it's doable, but it's not ideal in the sense of, uh, if you have any people there that you need to pastor and shepherd, it is taking away from that. Like you are losing hours to working this other job to support your, your family and your church. Um, which if God would call you that great, like, and that's a biblical thing too. Um, we see Paul doing that with tent making, but we also see local churches supporting the apostle Paul. We see both. Um, and I think, uh, you know, if we can get more churches uh, on board with the missionary style support of church plants long term, um, then less planters will have to 
out of necessity become bivocational. So that's my only point. I think a willingness to do that is fantastic. I I would not, it would not be cool to see planters feel like they have to do that uh, in cases where they probably don't, wouldn't have to if, if more churches were just, uh, had the right mentality about this. That's my point. I, I don't want to see that. Um, so anyway, he goes on to say, Secularism may indeed even be seen as God's answer to a complacent and complicit church by providing an unfamiliar, somewhat tainted environment within which the Christian stands out as a shining example of a life to be lived empowered by the Spirit of God. I agree. I think this whole thing of the death of nominal Christianity, the slow death uh, that we're seeing in the West is not going to be bad uh, in a lot of ways, and I think one of the ways is it will... Uh, the, the light of the gospel will shine through it. You'll start to actually see this is what Christianity really looks like in uh, the people that are sticking with it despite how difficult it is uh, in the non-nominal Christian context that gets more and more hostile towards the gospel. Um, I think in that, God will be glorified. Um, you'll see, uh, albeit imperfect, but you'll you'll see examples of Christ in that as, as the people of God are willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with him. I think you're going to see some cool stuff come out of that. Uh, and you'll see the church sanctified, uh, the, the capital C church, particularly in America where we've gotten all too comfortable with a context that's kind of cool with us. Um, in some ways that might even be troubling where it's like, well, <laughs> you know, if we're totally cool and, and it, you know, not, we haven't been totally, but over the last several decades, I think there's been a comfort between the culture and Christianity. We've been able to kind of do our thing without a whole lot of resistance that that's going away. And I think that will help us to actually grow and not only separate chaff from wheat, but also help us that are, uh, Christians, uh, are legit Christians, uh, really put our money where our mouth is that Christ is the most important thing to us. All right, let's see if he is in the midst of suffering or struggle or, you know, pressure from the culture and all these different things as those things get turned up. Um, and, and ultimately, if, you know, if we are his and, and God continues to faithfully pursue us, like, it will push us closer to him, that that the suffering and, and trial, uh, resistance from the culture, all those things. And so, yeah, I agree with Stutzer. I think it's a good purifying thing. He goes on to say, uh, this is the end of it, this in many senses will return the church to its earlier mission history of bringing the gospel where the cultural assumptions were worlds apart. Perhaps the church has learned lessons from the past that will empower witness and mission in secular contexts where the gospel is yet to take root and transform lives from the inside out. Um, so anyway, I, I really enjoyed this article. Um, it has gotten me thinking a lot. And so, if nothing else, a couple things. Uh, I want to encourage, if you're in any way involved with the denomination that's thinking about church planting, I want you to hear from a guy on the front lines. Uh, we're church planters. He plants in Ransom City in, in Evanston a little, over, a little under four years ago, right around that time frame. About four years. Um, we've been on the ground here doing the thing. From a guy in the front lines, uh, this model is obsolete. Uh, it, it is, if it's not today, it's going to be tomorrow. Uh, I mean, we are heading there as nominal Christianity, Christianity continues to fade and die. Uh, this three to five year thing, as far as financial support makes less and less sense. 
And so if you're involved in a denomination at all, be a part of the change on that, man. I, I really would like to see a shift to what Stutzer is advocating, which is supporting church planners like we support missionaries, more long-term strategy, uh, more patience, uh, less pressure for quick, instant results, which I think is, is part of the problem, too. Uh, man, it's not its not even just financial, man. Um, its And all these things are linked. It's also numbers and, and all that stuff that I think just our whole expectations are just so off. Uh, I think they're outdated. It's not 1992. It's just not. Um, it's not... <laughs> It's not the Reagan era with the moral majority. Holy cow, it's the opposite of that. Uh, where our culture has, sh- the, the, has shifted so radically, like we've broken the pendulum on what the norm is in, in a lot of the country. Again, you may not feel that way if you're down in the Bible Belt, but I'm telling you, uh, and you can call me a Yankee all you want, that's fine, uh, but I am telling you, living here in you know, right next to one of the largest cities in America, we are so far from nominal Christianity, man, and so our our support mechanisms have got to catch up and acknowledge that it's not 1992 anymore. So anyway, I wanted to bring that up to tell you that and say that's definitely been my experience. And one of the reasons I want to bring it up, too, is just as a planter, not only do I agree with Stetzer, this article was cathartic to me. Uh, I, I've not started tearing up reading an article like I did with this. Uh, I read this, you know, like I said, about a month ago. Legitimately, I'm fighting back tears as I'm reading this because it was like, finally somebody is saying what I've been feeling for the last couple of years. As I'm watching uh, the difficulty of planting in a super progressive, super liberal context and how much slower everything is. Uh, It's painfully slow at times. Um, and yet I'm, I'm hearing this three to five year language on, you know, both like just the expectations and numbers. I think people, you know, are like, oh, well, you four years in, what do you got? Like 150 people, 200 people, and you're running a couple services. Nobody's really said that, but I, I feel that, (laughs) that idea, um, that pressure when it's like, no, we, we don't, you know, we're a church of 45 and there's never not people moving out, uh, moving on, as we've talked about before, uh, which is partly to do with our context, uh, just being as transient as it is. But also, I think part of what's going on with us being small is not only the transient context that we're in, but also us being, I would say, probably, maybe not a decade, but probably close to that, ahead of uh, you know, maybe where the Bible Belt and some of those areas that are still a lot of nominal Christianity going on uh are at, uh, we're, we're ahead of the curve because we're, we're in a very urban area. Um, even though we're in a suburb just north of Chicago, we're literally right there. Um, and so it is, it's super progressive and super liberal and very hard soil. And so that's making it take longer on top of the transient, uh, community that we planted in. And so numbers wise, it's way slower than, than anybody wants it to be, but it is, uh, that's the reality of the city that we planted in and want to love uh, and not put unrealistic expectations on it. Um, but also, because of that, the finances thing has been a lot slower than anybody anticipated. And so I've come to terms with, hey, we're probably going to take longer to be self-supporting than I thought. Um, I've come to terms with that. I've made peace with that. I've made peace with the reality that if i got to be bivocational, I'll do it. Uh, if i got to... Before that, it's if i got to continue to support raise uh and um 
kind of gather more of a financial support team, even though we were hoping to not need that uh, soon. If I got to do that, though, I'll do it. So I've already made peace with that. Um, But my thought was, why don't more churches get this? Why don't more denominations get this? I, I really do think Stetzer has hit the nail on the head with this problem. And I've, this is the first time I've read anybody talking about it, even bringing it up. And literally it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I, I talk about a time. I mean, I'm sure this happens to you guys, but I didn't expect to get emotional reading this article. And I did because for the first time, somebody's actually saying the thing I've been feeling. And so I'm sharing this with you to say, if you're involved with the denomination, you can be a part of changing this. Please do to shift to a more long-term investment, by the way, not only just financially, uh, that is a big component of it, but it's not just that, a long-term investment financially, uh, as far as training as well for that planter and his team, um, around him, planter or planters, if it's a team planting together like it was us, um, invest in them, love them long-term, uh, and part of that is the long-term financial investment. So if you're part of a denomination or or not even just a denomination, you can part, be a part of changing this, but a, a larger church that plants churches or wants to get into the business of planting more churches, this needs to be your plan going forward. Uh, and if it's not right now, you got to start thinking this way uh, because it's going to, it's going to, your, your hand is going to be forced in the next couple of years. Uh, I think nominal Christianity is going to continue to decline in a way that the the whole mechanism is going to be totally broken and on the floor if we don't change it. Um, so it, I think you're going to be changing it anyway. Get out ahead of it. Uh, if you're part of a denomination or part of a, a church planting church um, who supports planters and sends planters out, be thinking this way. And the other thing to tell, the other reason I brought this up and wanted to talk about it is if you're if you hear this and you're going, "Amen, man!" Like. I, I hear you. I feel this. I feel this pressure. I feel, but I also see with the, you know, the trend of where our culture is headed that it's probably not a realistic expectation that's set on me or my church plant. Uh, I want you to feel not crazy. I want you to hear like, it's not just you. It's not just you. I resonate with that. I got emotional reading this article and, and I feel exactly the same way. And by the way, we got a guy in Stetzer who's willing to point it out. And so, man, do I like Stetzer for this. And I already like Stetzer anyway. He's a good dude. Um, He's got a lot of good things to say when it comes to church planning. But this one really nailed it. And so I'm going to be now tuning in and paying attention to what else Stetzer is saying. I'm going to go back and check out the rest of this series again. It's called Church Planting Shifts. Shifts. Sorry. Having trouble saying that word for some reason. Um, But Church Planting Shifts. Uh, this was part four, supporting planters, but he's got three other parts I'm going to check out, and I'm going to pay attention to what he does next, because I think he, he's on to something here, um, in a way that nobody else I've seen is, uh, aside from other planters. And that's the other thing I was going to tell you. If, <laughs> if you're a part of the denomination or, you know, church planting church who sends out and supports church planters, I, I pretty much assure you uh the church planters you know and love and are trying to support and encourage resonate with this article uh if they've planted any time in the the last couple years uh i bet they would yes and amen a lot of the things that i'm talking about a lot of the ways that i'm feeling and i want to tell you that because i want you to wrestle with that and figure out is there stuff we can be doing better to support these guys and and i hope this sparks a conversation between you if you're the, the supporting church, the sending church, 
that you would reach out to your church planners and again go, hey, I read this article or I heard this podcast talking about this article, um, and they brought this up. Is this true? Do you do you resonate with this? And what can we do? You know, can we? Is there anything we can do to help? Uh, how do we start thinking more long term? And uh, yeah, I, I think that would make a huge difference. I think that'll improve your relationship with your church planters. I think it'll. Uh, lead to far less burnout because I, I think that's what's happening. Um, I I do not think it's a coincidence uh, when you look at the, the stats and the number of church plants that do fizzle out. I think a number of them are to do with this broken model uh, as far as ones that are burning out like now. Um, they get to that year three, year four, and they start to go, what the heck, man? Like we are so far behind what's being expected of us. And that's got to lead to burnout. It really does. And so I don't want that for you as a church planter. I don't want that for your church planters. If you're a supporting church, have a conversation. And so I wanted to bring it up and and encourage that conversation, that dialogue. I think Ed Stetzer really got a good conversation going with this article that I wanted to further. So thank you, Stetzer. Again, I'll post a link to this article uh, in the description and and on our Twitter. If you just go to Twitter and search The Sower's Almanac, you'll find it. Um, so I'll, I'll post to it, but I want to continue that conversation and I want to want to just encourage you with some, uh, some truth, which is you're not alone. If you're a church planter and you, you feel this way, I love you. I'm there with you. Um, but I think the, the good news here and the way through it is that God is faithful. Um, and so he's faithful. And if your church plant is, uh, meant to make it for the long haul, if that's God's sovereign plan, um, it will. It will. You will get through whatever it is, whether it's financial difficulties or whatever, either through, here's my point, uh, being bivocational. And I think us as church planners have to be more willing to do that than maybe we are. Um, I think there are some men that I know that are better men than I um, and quicker uh, willingness to get there to be bivocational than, than maybe I've been in the past. Um, I think now I'm, I'm just sort of now getting to a healthier point with that where I'm going, Hey, there's no guarantee I'm not going to be. And if I need to be bivocational, I'll do it. And it's not the end of the world. And so that is one possibility is you may get through it through the tent making style ministry, uh, a tent making style supplemental income that you see with you with Paul. Uh, so some of you guys may need to do that, but, or God may provide a faithful, uh, church planting, uh, church plant supporting, sending churches who shift to this model. And that's what I'm calling on you guys to do that uh, have the power to do it. So church planners, be willing to uh, be bivocational if God calls you to it. But uh, sending churches, support your planters with a more long-term uh, you know, support approach uh, that I think better takes into account where our current culture is and where it's headed, which is further and further away from nominal Christianity. Anyway, uh, I know a lot of that was just talking about this article, but it was that important to me and had that much of an impact on me that I wanted to share it with you guys. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, I will be back soon. Uh, we should have some more episodes up soon. It's been good talking to you guys. Um, hope you've enjoyed it. If you have any questions, as, as always, you can go to ransomcitychurch.org, click on the contact tab, 
and you can submit questions into the Sower's Almanac when you get to that form. There's actually a box you can check to do that. I'd love to hear from you guys if you guys have thoughts on this article or this idea. Um, I hope it was encouraging. Please forgive if I uh, was scatterbrained a little bit in that section where the dogs were fighting each other or getting ready to. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought somewhere in there, so if I... uh, if I was a little incoherent, please forgive me and, and just give me grace on that. But yeah, if you if you have questions or, or thoughts, I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, RansomCityChurch.org, click on the contact tab and submit in a question to the Soar's Almanac. Um, thank you guys again for listening. Oh, other quick bit of business. I think I talked about this in the last episode, but it's it's been a while uh, enough that you know everything's out and good to go. Um, I did put out a, a an album recently. Um, that I've been working on the last several years, uh, that I not only recorded, uh, all the instrumentations and, and vocals other than a couple, uh, guest, uh, friends of mine's guest appearances, but by and large, all the rest of the stuff, uh, and then produced. And it was a lot of work, but a lot of fun. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. I, I want to encourage you to check it out if you haven't already. Um, it's under my name, Seth Williams. Uh, and the, the title of the album is I'll Never Live Up to This. It's on iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud and Reverb Nation and really anywhere you can think of that you can find music. It's it's pretty much in, in most major music stores. So please check that out. Seth Williams, I'll Never Live Up to This. Uh, it is a, a worship album uh, as far as lyrics and content for sure. Um, but... Uh, it, it is not like your typical worship album as far as musical style. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. I wanted to go in different directions. So there's some moments like that on there that are kind of, you know, the contemporary idea of, of worship music, kind of what you would think. Like there's some that would fit into that pocket, but a lot of it would not. Um, it's a lot of it's more of an alternative rock album. Um, I'm, I love pop punk. That shows up in some of the music on here. Some Southern rock on here. There's, uh, some just kind of 90s alt-rock vibes on here as well. I'm usually influenced by the Smashing Pumpkins and, and bands like that, so that shows up on this album. So anyway, I'm, I'm sharing that to say, like, I'm, I'm proud of this album. Uh, uh, by God's grace, like, everything turned out in a way that, that I can stand behind and am excited about, and so I, I, I hope you guys like it. Um, but I want to ask you guys to check it out if you would. Again, Seth Williams, I'll never live up to this. I'll stop rambling about it, but uh, check it out if you get a chance. Thank you guys again for listening. I'll talk to you again soon. Have a good one.